Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lads, we're back. Hey guys. Yep, still here. Still here somehow. Guys, we have a very (laughs) special guest today. All right. From 49 Sports, the eye opener where he grabbed everyone's attention with his uh, special edition article. Fantastic stuff. A future Carlton master student. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Richard Coffee. Richard, how are you? I am doing great, guys. Thank you for having me. This is literally, I've been saying all week, this is my first time I get to say I'm a podcast guest on anything. That's a really cool thing to get to say. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, you know, we when we were, all of us were reading through the sports issue and we saw your stuff, we, we all thought individually, it's funny enough, we got to have a mod, but we never actually said it to each other. And then when Will tweeted it, we were like, how did he beat us to it? But listen, we, everyone, it was so cool, like actually seeing everything, like when the sports issue came out, how like everyone was retweeting, like saying how great everyone's stuff was. But the one, I think even Steve Dango retweeted your article, didn't he? Yeah, Steve retweeted it. And okay, I'll, I will say Sometimes I do send my stuff to him because I've, I've known Steve a couple years. So I, I send my stuff to him and then he retweets it. He actually retweeted that one before I before he saw it from me. So he saw, he saw that from somebody else first, which kind of surprised me. But he actually did uh, retweet it, which is really, really cool on his on his part. I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Great guy. Eh? Great. Guy. Oh, he's, he's such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard, first off, there was such a debate on Twitter about this. We have to ask, are you team why sport matters or why sports matter? I am team why sport matters. I saw that debate with Will and Kat and, and everybody, but sports is like, I think it's what someone said. Sports is like the games, but then like sport is like the entity. It's like the philosophical side of it. Like sports is like a sports game, but sport is like, you, sport makes you think is how I like to look at it. I think that's a very good way of looking at it. I think the three of us were like, sports just sounds better, but that, that's like, <laughs> I think we're just used a, to it. That's yeah. a good reason to say why sport though. Can't beat that. No. no. So Richard, you're a writer from what we've been able to see is just simply on Twitter, right? That you're not afraid to talk about the stuff that kind of no one else wants to sort of, the, you know, the ugly side of sports, almost the real side of it. I think we can say, is it fair to say from your article as well as, I guess your own personal experience with sports, that's kind of the reason you're the writer you are. I guess you could say that like what I, what I've come to learn since I started, I, I've, I've, I, I wasn't, I wasn't originally in, 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 in journalism and in writing. I was originally a behind the scenes person working in production with uh, Ryerson athletics. But in the last year I got really deep into writing. And what I come to learn is I'm just tired of people just dancing around issues and it, and it, it, whether, whether it's in sports, whether it's in anything, like I, it exhausts me that people don't just want to talk or just want to be upfront about these things. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've sort of tried to like, and I, I, I try, I try and leverage my own experiences when, it, when possible to help like 
explain it, but like I, it's just, it's frustrating to, to, to try and just have people dance around all these different issues so much. Mm-hmm. You know what? It feels like definitely over the past, it's, it really has been a year ever since the George Floyd stuff. It feels like there very much is that extra push. Because, you know, people like, you have to take it, like, take a stand. But you can't just, I think when, like, all the stuff with the NCAA women's weight room, it's like, at the end, you know, if you're not addressing this problem, you're part of it, right? I agree. Like, I don't think that, like, and, and it, it's, and I, I saw someone say, say that you shouldn't just say something for the sake of saying something, but it's about making, it's about caring. And I think, when you actually care and you, when you actually put the effort into whatever you're saying, then it actually like resonates, but like it's, it's incumbent on everyone to actually try and like put an effort in to actually talk about these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alec, go ahead. I, I know this is a bit of a cheesy question, but why, why now? Like, why did you write this article now? I was talking to some people this week and I said it was entirely coincidence, but I love the fact that this the article dropped a day after all the barstool nonsense because, mm-hmm. like, it kind of gave me some reassurance that hockey, that, that sport culture is not all that frat bro mentality. But what got me to the article was, like, I honestly didn't write that uh, in that original way in the first draft. I, I completely had a, a completely separate article where I didn't have myself included in there whatsoever. And what my editor basically told me in, in the nicest way possible was it was terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and he was a hundred percent correct. It was one of the worst things I've ever written, but what I, what I, and then, and then that's why I added all the other stuff, but why I decided to do it now is just, I feel like at any time this, these, an issue like this uh, is important. And, and granted the, the stuff about Barstool, yes, on Tuesday and all that and all the frat bro culture sort of amplified the counterpoints to it. But there's never there's never a wrong time for, for, for uh, amplifying issues in sport culture, racial issues, sexist issues, homophobic issues. Like there's, ne- there's never a wrong time for that. And I just it coordinated really well with with how uh, the with the with the drop of the uh, spe- sports special issue, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um now, was there ever, I, I went through the article and I really liked it. I, I was just curious, was there ever a point where you realized like it was no longer worth it to kind of stay behind, behind this, I, I guess, wall that you created in a way, because you talk about all those experiences, um, hearing the stuff on the ice, seeing the stuff off the ice. Was there ever a point for you where like, you know what? you know what, that's it. I I'm going to break through that wall and show everybody who I truly am. For me, uh, I came out in 2018 in, um, in, uh, well, first to my family in 2017, but then publicly, I would say in, in, uh, uh, October, 2018. And what sort of, and it's completely different actually at the time, what sort of drove, like drove me towards it was I was working for, uh, Rams Live, which is Ryerson University's uh, production team. And there was a, there's, there's another crew member who is, or who was, cause he's graduated now, who was openly out and he, and he was, and he was openly for about, about a decade, I think about a decade before. And for me, it just was, it just was like a reassurance that it's possible in, 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 in the sport media industry 
it's possible to be able to work in this field in, in whatever capacity and be yourself. So that was sort of what, what drove, what drove me towards uh, coming up publicly. But, um, what, 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 um, what got me to start doing this, like in like something like what, 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 uh, I wrote last week was back in, uh, May, yeah, May of 2020, I was reached out to by Jim Bazinski, who's the, the editor of, uh, Outsports, the, the SB Nation website. And he, he had seen that I have, I have a uh, pride flag in my Twitter bio and I, I responded to a separate thing and he, and he very busy was like, are you, are you, are you a, a part of the LGBT community? And I said, yes. And he said, do you want to, uh, do you, do you have a story basically? And, and uh, I had never thought about doing a public version of my story like that. But then he, he, after some, like some chatting with him, he actually convinced me to. And then over the next couple of months, I wrote uh, a 2,500 word piece for Outsports, which came out in July of last year. And that sort of was like the first time I realized like my, my story, at least in its own small way, could have an impact maybe for somebody else's. That's, the, that's, the, that's sort of the lesson I've come to learn and sort of I've come, I've come to try and approach it with. Tell your experience or my, I tell my experience in my case, because maybe someone else has similar experiences. It'll help their experience. Hmm. I think that's really, so, sorry. Uh, it's just, I feel like the best part of your article was was the mix of your own voice and and the facts you had in it. I think like that's what makes it really really special. I think. I yeah I I agree. I, I was very lucky to um, in that piece to have uh, both uh, Brock McGillis and uh, Dr. Cheryl McDonald, who are willing to chat with me. They're so nice and they are so well spoken. Like I talked to Brock a couple weeks back for this for. Over, over an hour and the guy is the most like it's entrancing to listen to him talk about this stuff because he's so passionate and he's so straightforward and yet you just never want to stop listening to him mm-hmm. go ahead daniel yeah um richard i know like a big thing you've talked about and like being away from like the game on the ice but still being a fan about it uh you've mentioned you know what has to happen at the grassroots so I guess for you, in your opinion, what would you like to see in the game to make it more welcoming? Well, I look to what Brock said, because and he he laid out um, a a lot of a lot of examples that I couldn't unfortunately unfortunately couldn't fit in the actual piece. But what 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 he the big thing he said was it's got to actually be education. It's got to be well. He, he said it's humanization and then it's education. And humanization is the idea of actually putting a face or putting a name like, like myself or like him or like anybody putting a face or a name or just something to these stories. So people actually see the impact and the actual, like what these stories actually mean to people. So the first it's humanization. And then as he says, is that the next part is it's education. It's actually having program like, like, in a sense, what he does is talking to uh, teams and schools and actually just like explaining to them the impact of, of everything. So it's educating these pe- uh, uh, players and coaches and, and teams just about all these, the, the pro about the impact of this language and of these actions is 
one of the major steps. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the those are the main two. It's you have to actually show people the impact of the words and the actions by having actual faces and names to the stories. And then you actually have to let them be willing to, if they're willing to, people deserve the right to, to learn. People deserve, no, I, if someone, even if somebody, even if somebody is wildly homophobic in any possible way, in, in my opinion, if they are willing to, and I mean, genuinely willing to, they deserve the, the, the opportunity to learn. That doesn't mean they deserve, if they said something wrong, they deserve the opportunity to automatically be forgiven and, and get all their, all their, their, uh, their privileges and whatever it was back, but they deserve the right and the opportunity to learn from their mistakes. And I look to a guy like, um, you guys know, uh, that Reds announcer for the Cincinnati Reds who, who got caught, uh, saying the F slur on air on the, on air back in August. Yes. yes. That guy. And I was pissed at that when that happened back in August, but what I saw and granted, it's only from what, what the Reds and what him, what he has, gen- has set out uh, publicly, but what it looks like is he's a guy who actually took the time to learn and to talk to people. And to, he talked to PFLAG uh, Ohio, which is, the, which is one of the major LGBT organizations in the state of Ohio. And he actually took the time to realize, oh, my God, what have I actually been doing? And what have I actually letting myself, like, be okay with? And, well, that doesn't entitle him to immediately take up a, a job for the, for the Cincinnati Reds again. He's actually learned and he's at least he's taken the steps towards learning like why what he did was was terrible. And I actually commend him for that. It's so it's people deserve the right to learn and the right to to, to have a second chance if they're willing to take it. Mm-hmm. If they and if they and if they screw up, they screw up and they and they and they had that chance and you don't and you don't get a third and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. But if you if people deserve a chance to learn, that's that's something I've tried to believe at least. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Alex and Daniel? You remember the exact like who they might have been playing at the time? There was a play where a mic had caught Morgan Riley using the term "ragged," like like to like yes. rag the puck around, and everyone thought it was a another term that sounds very similar to that. And if but the response right away, I remember online. I think even Morgan Riley himself and the Leafs they responded very 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 quickly to it. And like, there's a certain coach that we won't talk about right now. Um, but like, I wonder what you think about not the league as a whole. I think Daniel wants to ask you about that in a second. But the Leafs themselves do seem to be a very, and I think we saw that with the Morgan Riley situation. They seem to be a very proactive, like very forward-thinking organization with that stuff. I agree, and um, I will say when I heard the Riley situation, the fir- even the first time I heard it, my heart broke because I may. I'm a Leaf fan at heart, and I like what I was devastated to see that. So I was very thankful for that, that that was at least some giant misunderstanding of words crossing over. Thankfully, <laughs> but I was in. I'm actually really impressed with the with the Leafs. Like they do a lot of what what Brock would call, and I would call call to uh, performative stuff. But that's the virtue of what a lot of a, a lot of uh, LGBT based initiatives are in professional sports. But they actually. It, they actually seem to have like to care at least, and and they and they and seem to be willing to hold players. They're, they're they are willing. We saw it. They're willing to hold players accountable when terrible things like the Riley thing happen. And they and like remember they were shocked. Like Kyle Dubas said, like 
I couldn't believe Morgan Riley wanted did like would say this. He was he's someone who's actually been like openly supportive of the initiatives we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So I actually do agree that the Leafs are are one of the more they they come off at as at the very least one of the more like open uh, and progressive organizations in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Dan, go ahead. I sorry, they were playing the Lightning. The Lightning, okay. Yes. Thanks, Alex. Um. Yeah, so you also mentioned in the article, too, about, you know, the NHL is trying to do, you know, pride nights, but, you know, that's like really not enough. So what do you feel that the league as a whole has to do to kind of, you know, catch up with more of these initiatives? I adore the quote that Brock you used for that. It's like having the parade before you win the cup. And I, when I first heard that, my mouth dropped. That is the perfect quote. It's because it's the idea that you're, doing all this celebration without actually putting anything in on the ground or not even on the ground level, on any level. Like where is the, where is the consequences for players who are, who are uh, using this type of language? Where are the consequences for coaches who are using this type of language and who are are harassing players and, and saying all these things to players? Where is any of that? But then at the very top level, you have, like you're selling merch and you're having a puck drop and you're doing all these things. And sure, to some degree, that's nice and it's sweet, but that doesn't help anybody. Having a having your guy, the guys wear pride tape on warm up and then refuse to wear it during the game, which is a whole other thing, but have it wear for warm up and then not actually that doesn't actually help anybody. Like if I if I was still a, a, someone in the closet, I wouldn't. Like seeing that doesn't actually help me. If if it, if it, that's just, I, I keep going back as as I heard Brock say that's for the marketer, that's for the accountant, that's for the person in the front office. That's not for the actual people in the league or the people in the stands or anybody. It makes them feel good, but doesn't actually do anything. So it's it's about like I said, it's 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 the humanization, it's the education, it is uh, more than just suspensions but well it's it's suspensions but it's greater suspensions and and greater it's increasing those but also trying to add humanization to suspensions and fines like have them talk to somebody have them do what tom brenneman did talk like if they're do if if they're if they think that that's okay have them talk to pride in Toronto or just anybody if they're, if they're, if they're from Toronto, but like you just have them to their local organization, connect them there. These teams have connections in that, in that sense. So just, it's about actually putting in the effort below just the surface level. We're going to put a pride logo on our, on our, on our hat. And we're going to, we're going to do a puck drop with a person because that doesn't actually help anybody. I guess in terms of like these initiatives and these messages are coming out from the NHL, I guess, why do you think hockey has been kind of, because I'm not saying like any other league is perfect or anyway, but in terms of like initiatives are speaking out, why is, why do you feel like hockey's so insular with this or they're always kind of the slowest one? Hockey and hockey culture is, uh, it, it's it. And I, and uh, I never thought of this, but when I was talking to, to, to Brock, he gave me this, this philosophy and I, thought it was hundred percent true. Hockey is so insular because when you look at regular sports, well, not regular sports, when you look at a sport like basketball 
or like uh, soccer or even football, those sports are played at school for the most part. Or like there, there's, there, there's, those are sports that are played in a, like, that can be played in a school. So you have, you have uh, more uh, uh, opportunities for, for interact, for, for diverse interactions with people different, of different uh, racial backgrounds, social economic backgrounds uh, in any capacity of, of that. And then you have um, uh, teachers who are mandated being on, on club teams and, and you have so many different ways to actually have more protections in place, but hockey, you don't play hockey at a school. You play hockey at a rink. It's separate. It's a, it is its own world. And that's, what's one of the biggest things it's, 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 it's the bubble. It's the, it's an, it's essentially a giant bubble that builds around it because no one's watching what's happening. When you're a kid in a, even, even in, even in non-school based hockey, even in, in private minor hockey, when you're a kid, once you pass the age of 12, there's no parents in locker rooms. There's no, there's not even coaches in locker rooms. There's it's, it's kids. It's, it's people of the same age talking to each other. So it's the entire culture of hockey breeds insularity and it breeds uh, repetition over and over and over again because it's so separate from everything else. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, it I, It's not about – my question is not about um, this article, but I saw you wrote a piece about Mike Babcock. And obviously if uh, a couple months ago – Honestly, time feels like the same. So the, oh, the, yeah. when when this when he was announced coach for University of Saskatchewan, I don't remember, but it was just after he had been hired. And then he kind of went on his media tour. I'm really curious as to what you thought about the Christine Simpson interview that he did on Sportsnet. I like I like Christine Simpson's work, but that was not a good interview. And I have nothing. I don't hold it against her for that. I believe there's people higher up at Sportsnet who want to give Mike Babcock a redemption tour, and I believe the same at TSN. And I believe the same at the Athletic. And I believe the same on almost everywhere. NBC hired him to go on air, but I that interview was to put it. I, I'll be straightforward. That interview, that interview was a joke. Like Mike Babcock, there was nothing but softball questions where he didn't actually have to answer to. The question of how he doesn't like he didn't know what mental health was, or he didn't actually he never actually talked to Johan Franzen about the stuff that I mean I don't I doubt Franzen would ever talk to him the way he's the way he's described Babcock, but I just thought there was no accountability. It was just it was pretend accountability for that interview. It was just really frustrating. Yeah, he. He answered no. I don't feel like he answered a question um, properly. Like he he preached accountability through the entire interview, right? When he's like, "Well, I have to hold the players accountable." Well, Mike, you're not holding yourself accountable. Why would the players ever listen to you? It's like, like a hundred percent. Like, like I think I think people blew. And maybe it's just me. I think people blew the Marner situation a little bit more out of proportion than it actually was. It was not good. It was very not good. Yeah. But when you compare it to something what, like what happened to Johan Franzen, like those are not even in the same area code of 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 problematic. But it's just he he kept 
in that interview at least, and then in everything else I've read, I've read or seen about him, he's just skating past trying to be accountable, or he's like, oh, it was just what what we did, or it was, or I I I didn't know I was doing something wrong, or it's fine. Okay, fine. If you if you're Mike Babcock and you don't and you don't know what mental health is, which I was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life, but if that's the case, if someone if if Johan Franzen is basically like traumatized and I've, I've watched the, I watched the video he did. It was in Swedish. So I had no idea what he said, but I read the English translation, but the dude was in tears. The dude looked, he, he looked like he was absolutely just thinking about Babcock was, was bringing him to tears. Like, if you don't know, if you don't know, that's fine. You don't know, but like, you still, you still owe him an apology. You owe, you owe some accountability for what you, for what it, you clearly put this guy through, and he didn't do that. And I was so frustrated by that. Yeah, it was. I was not happy about it um, either. I, I made my thoughts very clear. I remember that day, episode very well. The next day, I, I've never. I got texts from people saying, "I've never seen you so." upset about something i'm like i'm sorry like he was the coach for five years like he built he didn't build this team but he was around for the the maturing of matthews marner nylander etc etc there's no reason mitch marner should have a smiley face on his hockey stick (laughs) like it's it was bizarre to me but my, my last question is do you think mike babcock ever coaches in the nhl again i mean that's a question for well, according to one rumor, he was he was talking to the Habs last a couple of weeks ago. That's why <laughs> somebody broke that. Yeah. Um, oh, um, I was I was, was going to tell you, uh, Mike Babcock has read my story. Really? really? Yes, I, I I have been told that he read the actual piece and he uh, he had no comment, but he has read the piece. That's what I've been told. <laughs> of course, wow. of course, yeah, that's cool. And. I'm sorry. What was your what was your question before? Do, do you think he ever coaches in the NHL again? I mean, that's just really up to does does a team want to take on the baggage? Because right. it's this is not the last we're going to hear of uh, of the Mike Babcock baggage. There's two. There, especially if he if if he start if they start getting him up towards an, an NHL coaching job, he's not staying at U of S forever. I can tell you that right now. He's and he said it himself. He's staying two years max is what he's basically told most media outlets but beyond that it really depends like does a team like the montreal Canadiens, if they're if they're not keeping dominic Ducharme at the end of a season do they want to take on the baggage that is mike babcock and everything that comes with that i i mean sure you might be successful you might win a, a stanley cup in 2008 and, and two <laughs> gold medals with the best hockey team in Canadian history, but also you got all the other crap that goes with it. So like, it's just up to, and it's the same question I posed in the thing. It's like, it's, it's not my, it's not my call to make. It's U of S made their call. They are okay with that. And uh, an NHL team will have to make their own, whatever that may end up being. I remember seeing Ben Steiner tweet about that Haps thing. And I just screamed, thank God he doesn't speak French. At least at, as far as we know, he doesn't. Unless. He can stay away. Stay away. No. But he went to McGill, though. And that yeah. means he can speak French, apparently. Richard, no. No, <laughs> oh, please. No. Ducharme hasn't been perfect, but we'll deal with it. Listen, 
the past 30 minutes has flown by. You are a positive dude, a joy to talk to. Um, thank you for coming on, Richard. This was honestly so fun. Oh, this is my this is my pleasure. I I I I'm excited to to I I I really appreciate you guys asking me. I really appreciate getting the opportunity to like talk about this stuff because it's fun and it and it and it and it just adds to the conversation, which is just what the idea is. Mm-hmm. I think also we need to take a second. I think I'd like to thank you for writing that article because honestly, yeah. it it I said it earlier. It's it was the best article of the sports issue for so many different reasons. And do you know what, like, I'm not, when I first started reading about, like, the beginning parts of you and you talking about, like, your experiences, I'm not going to lie, I think there may have been a tear. I'm like, so, but listen, uh, hopefully we can do this again in the future. Um, and, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, hopefully we, we can mm-hmm. talk about the St. Pat jerseys and how they just need to throw them out the window. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could, I could, I could talk about that for a little bit, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's 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 my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Mm-hmm. And check out all your stuff again for Forty Nine Sports. The Eye. Um, am I missing anything else? Go ahead and so if you, if you want to find me, I am on Twitter at underscore rich underscore coffee. Uh, you can find my work, some some of my stuff at the Eye Opener, and my main stuff is on Forty Nine Sport dot com. Mm-hmm. And it'll, we will, yeah, it'll we'll be in the description. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. We will be back in a second. We're going to talk about the Habs final one in overtime. The Leafs got a much needed win. And for some reason, Taylor Hall is open to re-signing in Buffalo. We will be back in a second. All right, guys, we're back for the rest of the show. First off, how lovely was Richard to talk to you, honestly? Great interview. Great guy. Great, great guy. Great guy. Yeah. So that, yes, that too. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely have him on to talk about the Leafs in the future. Eh? Great, great guy. Um, and we should also mention... On the Wednesday episode, we will have Will Baldwin returning. We're going to talk about the Ryerson Sports issue. We're going to talk about some goalie goalie stuff. I'm sure he's going to try and debate Brodeer versus Waugh with Daniel. I will be on Will's side with Waugh, but don't mind me. I'd like to acclaim Alex. I'm not taking sides. I don't. As my bannerman. Please don't get me involved. All right, guys. We're going to have Martin Brodeer on the show as well. (laughs) Defend himself. Thanks, Marty, for coming on. The thing is, honestly, as long as you link Enterprise around the car, he'd probably come. Yeah. Oh, dang it. All right. Um, first thing we should probably talk about, Darren Drager reported on insider trading, apparently, that Taylor Hall is open to all options, including re-signing in Buffalo. Now, I believe their losing streak is up to 13 now? Exactly. You know what? So, <laughs> you know what I think this is? He's just tired of moving. I get that, hundred percent. I get that. Okay, because he's been, yeah, from Edmonton, Jersey, Arizona, now to Buffalo. But like, if you're him, they don't have yet. Yeah, Thirteen straight losses, oh nine and one in the last ten. Minus forties are goal differential. Say with that, well, everything going on there. They still don't. We talked about it last week. They don't have any staff. Like they can't. Mm. They can't scout because they don't have any scouts added to that. So no help is going to be coming. We've seen how they can – they've had to bring in Dan Girardi to go save Rasmus Delane's development. I just I get you want stability, but is, is Buffalo where you want? Cool question. Yeah. yeah. This was the first thought that came to my mind. Okay. Would Buffalo give him more than anybody else? Uh, ask Jeff Skinner. That's, that was be your my, answer. That was what I was thinking too, that – 
I think a big thing we talked about in the off season was he took the one year deal as like a kind of a prove me kind of thing, you know, because I really didn't think he bought into the whole Buffalo's, you know, on the up and up kind of <laughs> yep. mentality. I think it was kind of like a show me kind of deal to rebuild his value. And he, it's, you're not getting anything in the, in the open market compared to what Buffalo gave him. No. He, he has 16 points in 29 games and that is with two goals. Which again, eight million dollars. You need to do both. That's that's been the knockoff. I remember when when he signed in Buffalo, just being like, "Oh no, I kind of wanted the Hats to take a shot on him." And meanwhile, Tyler Toffoli is just ruining lives right now. I have a question. Yes. Did Arizona replace his production with Derek Broussard? I okay. <laughs> that's I cool. mean, we got to ask the question, right? Yeah, he had a hat trick last like two nights ago. Against what? the Ducks, unfortunately. Can we look at their – okay, do you know what I want to look at quickly? I, I'm going to compare their points per game while they were Arizona Coyotes because I don't think Taylor Hall was was terrible as a Coyote. No. He just, it's just when you get stuck in the desert, you're kind of waiting for a lifeline. The, the thing where I, I'm curious about here is he has to have some sense that he looked at what teams were offering him in the summer, right? Because the rumors were he got he got a short term deal from Colorado, right? I believe it was two or three years, and it was somewhere around six million dollars. If you go into the open market now, what does Colorado offer you? Uh, I don't think they offer you anything now. But if they were to say, if every team had said, "This is what I'd be willing to pay for Taylor Hall," it's not six million dollars at two to three years anymore. Yeah, I, I don't think there's – I think the I think, biggest question there is the term. And, yeah, I don't think right. anyone goes past one. I, I think yeah. that I think the only reason in Taylor Hall's head you actually consider staying in Buffalo, because everything you said was right, that Buffalo is an it's, – it's a nightmare. There's – I don't know how you dig yourself out of this hole. But if I'm Taylor Hall and I really care about money, there's a good chance Buffalo's going to pay me the most. That's very fair. Yeah. They're not going to be paying any coaches. No. <laughs> Just, they're not going to be paying anyone. Taylor Hawkins doesn't become a player coach. Honestly, he might have. <laughs> the new Rich Clune. I love to see it. Oh, man. You know what's really funny, by the way? I think we're going to mention it later. Uh, so, something that we've been working on very quietly in the back. We haven't mentioned it on the show. The trade deadline is coming up. It's not going to be busy, probably. Um, but... Like we're waiting for the Leafs to make their early move now. Same with Montreal. Like we're waiting for those now because of the two-week quarantine. But what we've done, we've made the big board. The big board. It's all capital letters. Big board. The big board. Now the big board is basically a list. Let's see. Would you like to explain it, Alex? Because you've actually been working on the. Oh. Uh, yes. Yeah. So there's a website that's going to be up, uh, hopefully tonight, and it's pretty much the top 20 players. Okay. So imagine TSN trade bait, but like two, one, right. Two, one, one podcast, big board. So Alex has done all the, the technical like formatting website stuff. Um, Daniel and I have written the player bios. Um, you can tell which ones are Daniel's cause they're probably better. Um, no, it's because I didn't stick to the two sentence format. I'm not going to say anything. It's, okay. it's part of your character. What's the, what do they say about good writing? Is you you're, you're able to you're able to tell like somebody's own voice in the words or something like that? Yep. Yeah. 
I mean, that's good, right? So big board. Uh, who's number one in the big board, guys? Matthias Ekholm. Matthias Ekholm. Matthias Ekholm. Exactly. And we should probably talk a bit about some 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 trade news. Is last night uh, Friedman and Chris Johnson on headlines talking nine Canada. Love to see it. Uh, had a sort of what's going on in the Canadian division when it comes to trades. First off, apparently Columbus and Vancouver are holding things up because I don't know where Columbus had this idea they've gone on a run, but they still, depending on how the series of Carolina goes, they lost in overtime last night. And Thatcher Demko was amazing in March and the Canucks think they're in it all of a sudden. Um, but they are holding things up. And apparently Benning said that they were looking to re-sign Tanner Pearson and now it looks like they're trading Tanner Pearson. So I would, apparently he ran out of time again, guys. But um, meanwhile, the Oilers and Flames from Kostronson are probably not going to be active. We know that uh, Ken Holland wants to build his draft supply, not get rid of it. And the Flames have already made their move with their new coach. Okay. We'll talk about the Montreal stuff first, and we'll talk about Toronto. And then after that, we'll go into the games they, they both had. So, first of all, apparently Friedman sees that the Leafs are not going, probably not going to make a move in net. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this to start, because there was, and we spent a long time last episode talking about this, and Friedman has just made that complete section kind of pointless. I thought we were friends. (laughs) He liked my shoes. He recognized you the one time we saw him. How dare he? Unbelievable. He gave me a firm handshake when handshakes were okay. Yeah, he's like, thank you for coming out. Oh, remember that. Yeah, remember handshakes? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Going to sporting events? Anyway, though. um, Yes, but it looks like the Leafs are sticking with Freddie and Jack Campbell, who was finally back and played very well last night. Um, I'm personally not not as surprised. And here's why. Like, I think there's... There's more to it than just acquiring another goalie, right? If it was that simple, they would probably do it. Cap, adding, like, if you want to add, you have to make a decision here because the guys you're going to add have cap hits that are, like, Bernier's, I think, is $3 million. Uh, Dubnik's close is two and a half. It's like 2.6. Like the old, and yeah. even Merz Lincoln's, let's say it's two. Uh, is he four? He's 4 million. He's 4 million. The yeah. cheapest guy is Chris Drieger at 700 K. And that's not going to be easy yeah. to take out of um, Florida. So you have to decide what is your priority here? Because you can't make a move for all three positions without making making massive pieces move like having lots of movement. Mm-hmm. So I th- clearly, as I think CJ said, it looks like they're more likely to go for a defenseman, which I mean, I don't know if I agree with, but that's a separate issue. But well, in terms well, why not? Why not? What's wrong with a defenseman? It depends on the caliber of defenseman. Like, are, what pieces are you giving up for Matthias Ekholm? Matthias Ekholm, because there's more to it than just this year and next year. There's an expansion draft. So, what are you going to do then? But, but then you, you, you know, again, I don't want the least to get him, obviously. But, but then you, you know, before we had this debate, um, Daniel, mm-hmm. when it comes to, we'll just we'll wrap up the goalie note here. 
Does this, do you kind of read this also as that the Leafs are either comfortable or they think Freddie will bounce back? Or is it a sign of he hasn't played a lot this year because of injury, but they have a sort of level of confidence with Jack Campbell? I think it's a double bind in a way. I think on the positive side of things that they believe Jack Campbell's could ride the hot hand and, you know, get a few starts in that, you know, you're going to get arrested, Frederick Anderson, finally. And what we kind of saw with Jack Campbell, you know, coming to the Leafs that he finally plays that role that, you know, that that blip of injuries in the early stage for him is kind of gone. And I, I, I think the other side of this is it's just where what Alex said, the Leafs are just where they are with the cap, where they are in this weird situation where you go out and get somebody else at, you know, added assets, added money here and there for a what if knowing that, you know, you have a Frederick Anderson that has proven before that he could be consistent and you could go with him into the playoffs. But this time knowing that, you know, you can't play him the same amount of games, the same frequency that you had before. It's just that added adjustment right now for Toronto. So let me, I'm just trying to get this figured out because I believe one of the rules is with expansion, obviously if you have a no move clause, depending because Bobby Ryan was a bit weird with his, right? Like, waivers and such you have to one of the options is like 3d a goaltender and is it how many forwards is seven seven now what's what's the second option is it just, eight just a total play eight eight, eight, skaters. eight skaters one goalie eight skaters one goalie okay so let's talk about the defenseman then because i have i've been on the train of if you can get an echo then it is the Tampa Bay situation of, yes, is there a bit of ice time concern? But then all of a sudden, you can have on one side of your defense, it can either be Morgan Riley's night, or it can be, um, excuse me, Jake Muzzin's night, or it can be Ekholm's night, right? Yeah. The, the, thing, the thing I'm I, – the reason I side with not getting Ekholm is assuming that they're going to go out and get a forward. Because if I had two offers on the table, I said, here's a top four defenseman or here's a top six winger. Right now, based on the team, I would be more inclined to pick a top six winger. Now, I'm not saying I would not take Matias Ekholm. I 100% would. But mm-hmm. in the situation that we're with and like the cap space that is non-existent for this team, I'm more inclined to say, okay, make the money work for a forward right now because – Again, even if Travis Dermott does not come back next year, say they have to trade him, you still, or he's claimed, you still have Rasmus Sandin, who clearly Kyle Dubas thinks is either is going to be an NHL player very soon. So who, sorry, Daniel, are you going to go ahead there? I just kind of thinking about like when it, when we talk about these big names that it just, again, I've used this as a template for so many things is the Jake Muzzin trade where you could, the way Toronto is, the way their cap is, the way they've been with where they are drafting, it's just you only could get like that one big move like every so often where you'll you'll yeah, for sure trade your first, but then you'll like look into like that prospect pool. Of, like maybe I'm not going to touch a Sandin. I'm not going to touch an Amirov. So like what am I going to look at in the system? Mm-hmm. And it has to be – It's I have the same issue as you. I can't pronounce them, but it's, it's, it's the fin. Alex, how do you say it? Which which fin? Uh, Hirvinen? No. Um, what fin are you talking about? There's multiple. Well, any of them then. Go ahead. Um, well, Who was the one on the World Juniors? 
Uh, but anyway, like, it's 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 whoever it is. It is it has to be yeah. Because of course you you mean there, Daniels. The reported asking price is the Muzzin deal. It's the one and two. It's the first thing in the prospects. Okay, how, how about this for a second then? If we're talking about a forward, preferably, what forward does it have to be though? To let's say if you're making if you either have the option of Matthias Ekholm to improve your team or this forward, who does the forward have to be? I think there's two names. Okay, who is I think one? it's Forsberg mm-hmm. or Raquel. Yeah, like I I don't see them. I, if the if the opportunity arises that we can go acquire Ekholm or Nick Foligno, I'm taking Ekholm because mm-hmm. I think you can spend less draft capital and go and get a Bobby Ryan type for a for a lower end draft pick, and I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. But I think you're not if you're going. It's Ekholm versus who? It's a hundred percent can't be a rental. And it's probably Raquel or Forsberg. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then on the Montreal front as well, Friedman says that people are not buying what Mark Bergevin is selling about not doing anything at the deadline. And I'm, I'm inclined, oh, it's Bergevin, right? I mean, <laughs> right. like, I'm inclined to, I'm on that train too, because. Yeah. Last night um, was a roller coaster of a game for Montreal. And again, we're, we're focusing on the Leafs. For some people, it was fun. For others, it was stressful. And again, in a second here, we're going to focus on the Leafs in two games versus the Flames in Montreal, Vancouver. So hold on, folks, if that's what you're here for. So the goals that were against Montreal last night, though, were a clear indication that a defenseman is needed. Because as good as Edmondson has been with Jeff Petrie, the problem comes with you cannot have these two. And Edmondson's not a terrible skater, but he's not the puck mover that a Jeff Petrie is. And that's, you cannot ride Petrie and Edmondson for six more weeks. It's just not, it's not an option at this point. And you know, we were, I think most of the Canucks goals were just pure, like, breakdowns, right? There was one where Nick Suzuki was behind the net with two Canucks on him and he tried to throw the puck around and then he just completely coughed up. Jake Vertanen's right in front. Another goal was Brandon Sutter was screening Carey Price behind three Montreal Canadians. You know, and, you know, what are you going to do there? And, I mean, one was a power play goal and, you know, you're not going to stop Brock Besser. But... I, there's a serious, there's a hole there. And there's just no way, guys, that Mark Bergevin does not make a move for a defenseman. Surely not. Yeah, like I, I think this is just a GM being a GM there and saying, oh, you know, we're, we're not going to, I'm not going to make a reactionary move after Ben Chirac goes down. I think that's more for him just to say to the public or to the media so it, it, it doesn't absolutely blow things up. Um, and I think, you know, he probably, I would be very surprised if he doesn't make a move. I'll keep it nice and short. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have a question for Adam. Sure. And Alex as well. But if that is the move, who's the preferred guy? I'll let Alex go first here. We all know my answer. Yeah. I think me, I mean, I, I think Adam's answer is the is the correct answer, mm-hmm. right? Sammy Vatanen, is that who you're going to say? Listen, okay. This is what I'm going to say to you. Alex Burroughs has done wonders with the power play. And I think 
Guy who can play on the left, is very good at zone entries and exits. Sammy Vatnin is the guy. And I will not get off this page. I have been so to it. Like, like I've never in my life left a comment on, an, on, on like an, an article before until Marc-Antoine Gauden for The Athletic did an article about some of the like trade targets. And I just kind of put Sammy Vatnin question mark. Like, I think I'm tweeting every other thing. Sammy Vatnin. I think I might have even done it on the show account on Twitter and I never use the show account because it's, it's Sammy Vatnin. That's the move. Or like I was actually reading this article. I think it was a Dmitry Filipovich article from 2018. It was talking about defensemen who were good at the breakouts. And it was between one was Brandon Montour. I forget who the third defenseman was. Jonas Brodin. It was Brodin, Montour, and Vatnin. And when it came to zone exit, Vatnin was up there, right? It's just, you know, since then he's kind of been stuck in New Jersey. And then, you know, it, go, it gives credence, Daniel. You were suggesting Brandon Montour last week. So maybe that's another option. It's just I think I personally have married myself to the idea of bringing in a Sammy Vatanen. And listen, they just – the only reason Lekkinen got in last night is because Tyler Toffoli is out day to day. And I don't want to trade Vatanen because I think he's too useful a player. But, I mean, um, Lekkinen, sorry. But, like, Ducharme just seems to look like a part of him. So maybe that's where you make the deal work. Victor Mete could also help with that because I don't think he's standing. But then you wonder about the two-word quarantine. Like, that's a big concern. Um, anyway, though, shall we go into the Flames and Leafs or the Habs and Vancouver Canucks to start here? I'm looking at the game. Uh, we can see on the Habs. Do, what did we do last episode? We'll do the audience. I don't even remember. Okay, I guess Daniel said the Habs. So well, I it's because I, you're in the Habs mood right now. Yeah, so, go. like, we'll just keep going with it. Okay. Um, well, the story of – well, first off – you want to know a really funny stat about the Montreal Canadiens? Sure. Can I guess? Sure. Is it what happens when Brendan Gallagher rubs Gasparri Kalkinyemi's head? That okay. what happens? So, for those of you who don't know, during the shootout last night, there's just they go to the bench and he's and Brendan Gallagher is just rubbing Kalkinyemi's helmet. He used to do it to Kale Fleury, but obviously he's in the AHL now. Um, he got replaced. I mean, you know, he's like 21. You got to let him go. Anyway, um, no, it's not – nothing with stats for Brendan Gallagher, even though he's leading – he was leading um, both Friday and Saturday's games for Montreal. The Montreal Canadiens have more regulation – sorry, they have more losses in overtime shootout than they do regulation losses. Eight regulation losses, nine in overtime and shootout. The story last night, though, they finally win – Outside of regulation in the shootout, thanks to Tomas Tatar, they finally win with the retro reverse jerseys. The curse the, is broken. The curses have been lifted, gentlemen, as I titled my HFR. That was quite a move, though. I really like that deke by Thomas Tatar. <laughs> oh, sorry. Again, he's he. If you look at like highlights, there are not a lot of players better one-on-one with goalies than Thomas Tatar. Like, I made the joke in my video, like, I don't know how much he played, like, the exact amount of games he was on Detroit with Pavel Dotsuk, but I imagine you you have a bit of flair for the dramatics when you at one time played with the Magic Man. It was a nasty goal. And also, 
I'll tell you this. So Mike, Alex, and I were doing our, our watch parties, right? Daniel, you would have laughed for this. So Jimmy VC comes out because he was claimed by, and I swear, the only time Alex actually, like, when he, the only time watching that shootout, because the Leafs game had already ended and you yeah. and Mike started watching Montreal's game. I think the only time Alex, like, uh, his eyes came out when he realized that Jimmy VC was about to take a shot. <laughs> I just... And he's like, oh my God, I would love for this to happen. <laughs> Harry so, Price was like, so, hello I'm there. Sorry. That's not going to happen. But if it was anybody else, I wouldn't have said that. It was just because here's the thing. For some reason, Alex is with Rogers. Mike and I are with Bell. And like are the times, it's weird. You're like, what is it? 30 seconds behind I'm us or 20 something? seconds behind on their own broadcast. Oh, so, my goodness. So Mike and I are, are here, right? I'm like one second behind Mike. And so, so I just see and I start saying Jimmy V. And I stop. And Mike is losing it because he's a big fan. <laughs> and then you just hear Alex just looks up and he's like, I would, and he just, pure hysteria, I will add. <laughs> anyway, though, guys, I don't think there is a better example of a massive, a big win, what a win, big win, Habs win, than last night against the Canucks. They are now 6-0-3 against the Canucks, and they don't play them anymore for the rest of the season. Uh, you, you know why I think it's even bigger than just a regular win is because it was in, it was in shootout. Yes. It was in like, when you go Owen nine, right. You start the season Owen nine and overtime and shootout. When you get that first win, it's like a huge sigh of relief. It's like, oh, it's like when the Buffalo Sabres break that 13-game win streak, there's going to be this big (laughs) – that's a good point. It's going to be this big sigh of relief on everybody on that team, maybe not so much the fan base, but for those players. And I think that's what – that's an important thing to remember, especially for those guys in the locker room. Like you could see it on their faces, right? Like they were visibly happy to win that game in shootout. It's like the momentum is there now that it's no longer a war of attrition once, you know, it's the 60 minutes are done. Someone at the Athletic wrote something, I think Mike pointed it out. The Canadians are a good team until they hit past the 60 minutes. It was really weird in that. It was dumb. It was dumb who wrote that. Oh, it was dumb. Okay. So, decisions, right? Yes. Great guy. Um, There was this really weird point in overtime. when you, You know how normally if you don't have a good look, they circle back? Um, like the team who had his possession. Jonathan Drew was just like, you know what? I don't like what we have here. And he just throws it back to Carey Price. I'm like, more than <laughs> once. I was like, is this the innovation? Is this what we're doing? Like, it worked. Soccer rules. It was, I didn't know what I was looking at. I'm like, I know Carey can move the puck. But I, I mean, let's just simmer down here. Like it's it's crazy. Another big story here, Daniel, is the you know what the uh, the Phil Deneau, Thomas Tarbetti Gallagher line has been brought back together, and we talk a lot about the importance of faceoffs. And there were two goals by Brendan Gallagher Friday and Saturday that came off of faceoff wins by Phil Deneau. And what's really important is all three of those guys. We know what Brendan Gallagher is about, but Tatar and Deneau look like they have their confidence back, and. I just a word on how important it is for the Canadians that that line has been such a, you know, if there's been anything that is a certainty in Montreal, it's been that line. It looks like they are back together and they are firing again. What I kind of felt with that was, in a way, the, the depth that was there, it was kind of a screen that 
even though Dano and like Tatar wasn't really, they weren't really shining. You'll still have like, okay, well, at least I'll have like a Josh Anderson or a Tyler Toffoli scoring for us, or I have like a Nick Suzuki scoring for us. But I think when you really take away one of those pieces due to injury, it's it's on those other guys that have been there a while to say, all right, I got to step up and really kind of show this is the type of player I can be, and I could still help carry a line. Mm-hmm. Good players. I love them all so much. Alex, a thought on the Dano line. No, I, I think Daniel makes a good point. I also think it's it goes back to something I guess they're used to, right? Mm-hmm. It was what, Tatar Dano Gallagher? Is that what you said? Yes. Right? And, and not even just this year, right? Was this not – that was the line last year as well? This is like the third, third – it's been year. broken up this year, but like it was the last two previous seasons, that's been the top line. That's been the line for Montreal. Like you know it, at least it works, right? <clears throat> you know, there's the line that works. And I think maybe that's something Montreal needed. Um, I mean, just in general, it's always good to go back to, especially after switching coaches. Mm -hmm. Do you know what? Um, Being ahead of the, obviously they have games in hand, being ahead of the Canucks now, they have three games in hand over the Oilers and they're about to go into a three game series. Um, Montreal can turn their season around very, very quickly in the next week um so there it is what really helps them though last night is that the leasing regulation shut down the flames who are nipping at montreal's heels though before we go to the win we should say we need to burn the saint patty jerseys because the leafs Jesus. cannot win in them oh god please you know it's great history i fully get it mm-hmm. you, want, you want to wear it during warm-ups go ahead that's yes. fine yes stop stop I remember I always used them in the video, the old video games, because it had the brown pants. That that is true. Do you remember that? I remember uh, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they wouldn't change like the equipment, so you'll still see like a like a Leafs goalie with the blue pad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there may be no uh, uglier combination than green and brown. If you add yellow in there, it's the Triforce of ugly. I remember. Um, this is a small fact, but I remember when um Tim Thomas, because he was on Florida briefly. And he uh, had the yellow and red and white and black pads. And then he got traded to the Dallas Stars. And he didn't change his equipment. I hate that guy. <laughs> just, what a, just a bad person. So weird. Though, um, ask the St. Pats. Ask the St. Pats, yeah. we will say. Please. Right. Do we want to ask the question... What is up with Frederick Anderson? I have an idea. I'd love to hear it. I mean, it's he said it himself. It was the reason he was not backing Jack Campbell up last night. Uh, he's injured. I like. I, I. It sounds simple, but it's. It seems like that's what the reality is here. Like, yes, I think you know what. He's not the same goalie he was two years ago. That is mm-hmm. clear, right? That that's clear. Last year he had a below average year. I think he was nine oh nine save percentage. This year it's below nine hundred. And and I think I said this last episode, and I said this about the Matthews injury. Why are you playing him? Why, like, why did he play last night? Or why did he play a couple? Like, the only reason he should have played a couple nights ago was because it was a back-to-back. And you don't like Michael Hutchinson. But still, no. Like, when Campbell is back, there should be no excuses, what you're saying, right? It's just, you avoid Hutchinson as all costs. Like, he's... Correct. Like, they play 
So this week they play two more. They play two games. They play Thursday and they play Saturday. They play uh, Ottawa Thursday. They play Edmonton Saturday. There is no reason that uh, Freddie Anderson should touch the ice on Thursday. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. We we very much always stay away from the one silly game goalie controversy. We don't like talking about that stuff here. Of course. Um, but let's say down the stretch here, by the time Freddie is healthy, and let's say Jack Campbell is just lights out here, do we have a situation where it is – Let's say Pittsburgh. Um, let's say that Frederick Anderson is Mark Andre Fleury, and let's say that Matt Murray is the sort of. That's, no, let's reverse it. Let's say that that Fleury is Hutchinson in this scenario, and he will start the first few rounds of the playoffs. But maybe the moment he starts looking down a bit, which was it, Daniel. I know. I'm sorry. I have. To <laughs> Did you mean Jack Campbell? Because I don't like the Fleury to Hutchinson. Would, wouldn't Hutchinson be Jeff Zatkoff? <laughs> Did I say Hutchinson by accident? Yeah. I'm like, Sorry. Wait, I mean, okay. Let's say that Jack Campbell is Marc-Andre Fleury, okay? okay? Okay, okay. So he will have the – or even let's say Philip Grubauer won the Caps one. He will maybe – if he proves that he takes the net, he'll be the guy for a bit, mm-hmm. even into the playoffs. But And then is it a, a question of the moment he starts to falter, we give it to Freddie, or do you wait until – then the moment Freddie is, is healthy or hockey healthy, because they're two very different things. That's true. Does it go straight back to Fred? What is the play, as we like to say? I, I think you give it the safe game. You know, like it's not an elimination game. That's what Mike Sullivan did. Remember against Tampa in the conference finals with uh, Pittsburgh, where Matt Murray looked like he was faltering. And then you have a very healthy Marc-Andre Fleury come back in and then, he didn't really have a good game. Well, they lost in overtime. He didn't really have a, like the best game, but then you go back to Matt Murray, just kind of trying to find something. But, you know, you'd be very, uh, very, very, like, very safe with that. Like, if I use another example, it's, um, and I'm going to go very back on this, by the way, guys. 2006, conference finals against the Edmonton Oilers. Jean Sebastian Giguere is away because his wife had a kid, but Ilya Brizgalov had the hot hand. And you kept him until he started faltering. And then Jiguer, you know, they lost, but, you know, he'd still do pretty well in like the last two games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I agree with that, uh, that idea as well as if you're running with the hot hand um, until he is not hot anymore. Then what is the leeway for Campbell? How many bad games does he have to have consecutively to say, all right, you've lost the chance? In the playoffs or in the regular season? Let's say the regular season from now. Because in the playoffs, it should be a day game by day. Days. Like game, yeah. game by game. You don't screw around when you get there. Right. Um, I, I think it's – there's a couple factors here. What are, what's the division situation? Um, is, it, is it really tight to get first place? Um, if it is, I'd say, again, taken on a game-by-game game basis. Um if it's not, hey, let's go back to Freddie, see what happens. But like, there's no giving up on Campbell. I think we have like, it's that we have to understand Freddie is he's not coming back uh, after this season. It is highly unlikely. 
and you now have Jack Campbell for another year at like 1.6 and you have to fill that other spot. But I've had this feeling that they have some type of trust in Jack Campbell. I'm not entirely sure why uh, he's clearly a good goaltender. Um, but he's only played 68 games in the NHL. Like that's where my concern, mm-hmm. that's my biggest concern right there um, is that he's only played 68 games. And you know what? He had some pretty decent numbers in front of a garbage uh, LA Kings team, which I guess gives me some confidence, but I, I need to see him more before this happens. So that's why I think let's run with the hot hand in the regular season, I say you give him a couple bad games and then you say, hey, Freddie, like this is your opportunity. Because if I'm Frederick Anderson and I'm having a below par season and hey, my backup isn't really performing or he's had a couple bad games, I'm jumping all on top of that because I'm going to market in a couple months. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think? Like, in in your opinion, would you guys not say that Freddie Anderson's value has decreased so far this year? I think it has. The, the, yeah. Right. The moment your save percentage goes under nine hundred, I think you're a. I'm cautiously. That's a. Um, that's a like. Who else is out there first? He's not the first option. Right. Right. So that's what needs to happen. Like he need if Campbell does not. Let's say he falters for two or three games. Freddie Anderson needs to be all on top of that thing because mm-hmm. number one, it could be really, it could be, it could benefit the Leafs and it could benefit him. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I, I yeah. think I agree with that. What you said where Jack Campbell, as much as he's been very consistent, you know, especially for being a reclamation project after, you know, his very brief stay with Dallas it it is it's it's true. The volume hasn't been there enough for me to say confidently. Like, we'll we'll see how this goes. He's the new starter kind of thing. I think like everyone's still on that high of how he's been able to play the last few games this season. But also with Frederick Anderson, I think the one thing I just like to say is like I applaud him for how he's been able to deal with the Toronto market, the Toronto media, all this stuff. Because this is the second time like you know if he does get supplanted for now, this is the second time it's happening to him in his career. You remember like. He was sharing the net with Victor Foss, and then John Gibson comes out of nowhere. Well, not really out of nowhere. He comes in at 19 or 20, and he takes the net, and then Anderson's traded. So for that to kind of happen to him and for him to you know, play the amount of games he has and just really be how he has been with the media, it's just I just like to applaud him for that no matter what kind of what happens moving forward. Yeah. Great, Dane. Uh, Great, Dane. Just before we move on, I, I think it's important to, to to say, like, when you go on social media, all the, the I feel like they all they do is work in extremes. It's either he's the greatest thing to happen to this team or he's absolute trash, which both sides are absolutely couldn't be more wrong. It is it lies like most times somewhere in the middle. He's I know still you a did. good goalie. I don't Go, goalies are beating, man. Right. I think um when we go from like, you know, people on social media, especially going like that, you know, hot or cold take, you know, the two extremes. Yeah. I like to call that the Justin Pogge theory. I, I'm not going to ask for the explanation. I don't can't imagine what it is. Okay. Well, I mean like, that's like, it's just the development of how things are when it comes to like 
Toronto media, especially when it comes to goalies, where like the high extreme is the real juniors and how he played for the Calgary Hitmen. And then the low is like, oh, he lost these games. He's a bust. And then you have the in-between. Will he play like a crazy amount of workload for the Marlies? Like, yeah, he is the next Felix Potvin. Are you suggesting he is not a bust? Is that what we're trying to? Is that what you're trying to say? I mean, like, the, the word "bust" is so relative these days. Oh, that, you know, it's really difficult give to give me, it a standard. Give me a on a certain point. All right, all right. staying yeah. staying with the current leaps, not someone who was traded how long ago? Um, 2010. Credit to Jack Campbell. Uh, his mm-hmm. performance was great, having a shutout last night when the Leafs beat the Flames. We love him. Lucky, yeah, I didn't like him. Actually, fun fact, I didn't like him. Until he went to LA because in the world juniors, he talked, he said, so it was, it was kind of like not that bad. It's just akin to like a Trevor Zegers type of thing where he faced, cause he beat, he was the goalie that beat Cannon in 2010. And then he can't back to 2011 world juniors. And then I think they meant, they asked him about it. And then he just made like a joke or, you know, whatever. He was like a nine, 18 year old kid where he's like, Oh, you know, they didn't kind of didn't learn their lesson from last year. And then that stuck with me. Daniel, are yes. you mad at a teenager for talking smack? Are you mad at a hockey player showing some personality? Oh, there it is. You but- sound you sound like a I no, I, well, I'm, I mean, I'm like, careful of my words here. I was younger than him at the time, so I'm you know, I was a kid. You sound like a member of the royal family. No personality. Oh no. <laughs> That's bad. We don't Could like you- the royal family here. Prince We never mention it here, right, Adam? <laughs> I'm not doing more. You know, it's funny. Today, I stayed with so. the Justin Pogge on. Uh, I, I was on topic. I was on the Toronto. <laughs> really? You're staying? Yeah, okay, yeah. hold on a minute. Let me just look something up really, really quick. You know, Justin Pogge. I don't even know how to spell his name. I don't care because he played. He retired. He's still playing in the depth. His- yeah, see, I'm picking a current guy. He's when was his guy. last NHL game, Daniel? Oh. 2008-2009 <laughs> He hasn't played in the NHL for a decade He's not relevant We don't <gasps> need to mention him every other show I didn't mention him last few shows I think We mentioned him Anyways, all. you know, I'm, I'm doing this for Alex To kind of, you know, keep the Toronto content going Alex, this is for you We talk about them every episode They're a focus of the show What are you doing? Anyways, Frederick Anderson no, I, I'm going to take the optimistic no. route and say he bounces back to a certain degree, but oh, yeah, yeah, give, give, him, give him the time. Listen, he's not 8-9. He's not – I almost said Sergei Bobrovsky bad, but, yeah, so he's not Sergei Bobrovsky bad. He's not this year Carter Hart bad. I mean, I'm, I'm messing with the Flyers fans. I think Carter Hart will back, bounce back, but, like, he, of he, course he's going to the back. mic way, though. Yeah. You have to say how, Hart, you have to say how much is – there you go. I'm not from Boston. Got a hat. No. Mike's not from Boston either. Yeah, but he acts like it. Okay. <laughs> I, it's Carter Hart. I have a lot of respect for that, man. <laughs> Carey Price is rightful successor in this league. You can't tell me otherwise. No, no who's going to argue with you? I'm not. It's not Chris Rieger. What? No. <laughs> okay, shall we look at the Central Division then? Sure. All right. Okay, well, as you know, every Sunday we are doing a preview for each division and their trade deadline, how it's going to look, I guess. And today we are doing the Central Division. Next week, we don't even know yet, so we're not going to tell you. Starting with the Carolina Hurricanes, they are obviously going to be a buyer. They have cap space somehow. 
Great deal for Sebastian Ajo, former Hab. Love to see it. Um, they can probably use a goaltending depth because Mrazek has been hurt. Um, at one point, he had a .9 goals against average because he played two games. Um, and forward depth. Guys, I propose that if, if there is any sort of deal to be had with the Carolina Hurricanes and getting a depth forward, it has to be Eric Stahl. For the magic of of back in the day. What year was it again, Daniel? You're good with this stuff. What year did they win? 06, 05? Uh, 06, yeah. 06, 06. Great year. What was going on in 2006? The Phoenix Suns made it to the conference finals with half their roster injured. That's not... Did they win? They didn't win. But Steve Nash won his second MVP in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Eric Stahl, but you guys also had an idea for maybe the depth goalie they could get. I think we have opposite spectrums that one of you went with if they went to get a depth cheaper option, one of you swinging for the fences because goaltending has been a conversation in Carolina for the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, I went though with the lower end option. Uh, I went with Devin Dubnik uh, for a fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that might be up there. Cause I think that's what he went for in the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think he's been any better. <laughs> I think that's fair. Daniel, you went for the let's go swing for the fences here. What what kind of deal did you look at? Yeah, and I think I went for that because I think that it's been quite a few years already where they just keep bringing in goalies, seeing what they can do, and not really having a solid starter or anything. And, you know, we, we all like Alexander Nelkovich in the Real Juniors for Team USA, but I don't think he gets, you know, the full starting position yet. So I think they go... Two, um, they, they they go to Columbus and they get one of the goalies. And I think that you're going to center around one of your top prospects because you really can't keep anybody, everybody, for the expansion draft. So what I mentioned was the package is going to be focused around a Jake Bean, a Hayden Flurry, or a Dominic Bach with a few other picks to get a goalie with some security and with some consistency. Because I think Carolina's in a place right now where – they're in like a weird, they're in a win now situation with who they have, but they have so much security for it. So I say to myself, like, why not go for security in net as well? Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's really fair. I mean, listen, I don't know what you're thinking having James Reimer in when you're going against the Bruins in the playoffs. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but if we got to keep going back to history. We have to, we have to mention the good and the bad, don't we? Superman versus Kryptonite. That's. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Caroline. Go get a goalie, please. We all want them to be good, but like they're they're such a wagon now, the Canes. But it's just every time they get to the postseason, it's the same thing now. They just they're not. Uh, well, anyway, I hope they don't get Brindamore side. By the way, and it's come on the Montreal. Why not? He's from Ottawa. He probably speaks French. Hopefully. Anyway, um, Tampa Bay don't have any money. They are somehow against the Kucherov is we don't know what exactly is up with Kucherov. People are calling shenanigans, but they don't seem to need him right now because they're still right there at the top of Carolina in the Central Division. Oh, they're sure um, shenanigans. Mm-hmm. So for Tampa, we're gonna wait because Alex, I think you had a deal that we're gonna come back to a little later with Detroit, I believe it was, or are we canning that? No, canning that. Didn't okay. Work. Um Daniel, did you figure out your Tampa trade? I can't remember if we went there. I just said that they're going to go for a goalie. Yes. And to make the contracts and money work, you're going to see Curtis McElhaney and like a low-end pick for like a Devin Dubnik or a Jonathan Bernier. With money retained like crazy from the other team. Which, listen, 
Steve Eiserman, I'm sure, is like listen. There's been some sort of shenanigans there with um, with Detroit and Tampa Bay. Like we've seen it. There is always whispers of it. Who knows what's going to happen with with like like Tyler Johnson? Remember there were rumors with that. They're weird. I looked at if they were getting a like a depth goalie, they could just get Devin Dubnik, who's not great, but it feels like he's the the kind of guy that all of a sudden is going to get to Tampa Bay, and it's like I'm great now somehow. Because it's Devin Dubnik. Weird guy. Okay, the Florida Panthers. Alex, you looked at uh, they need a, probably a third-pairing defenseman to work there. Playing with Radko Gudas. Who do you have there? Uh, I, you're not going to like this. We'll unfortunately. see. Yes. Um, I have Sammy Vatnin going to the Florida Panthers for prospect Riley Stillman in a third-round pick. I hate it. Sammy Vatnin, he's a Finn. Kaki Nemi Armia, they'll be friends. It makes sense. Even though, like, Finns are lone wolves. But anyway, I love Finland. Valtteri Bottas. I love Timu Solani. Yeah. Well, I mean, talk about a top line player. The, 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 you know, the, the, the Panthers also need a top six center, Daniel. I, they're not going to get someone with the prowess scoring of Timu Solani, but transition. Boom. Go. Yeah. I think, like, and I've mentioned it before, like they're in a precarious situation where they can't really commit a lot of money, even though they do have, you know, a pretty solid, pretty solid space right now. But I think that, you know, you're going to have Barkov and Huberdo wanting longer terms. You absolutely have to pay those guys. I don't think they're going to touch their, their pipeline. That prospect pool is pretty good right now. And I don't think Billy Zito wants to move a lot of things around. So I don't think a Forsberg or Raquel who really are not the most comfortable guys, you know, being, you know, the guy to be center. So I say they get one of Minnesota's centermen. So it's going to be Nick Bedino or bringing back Nick Bustead. And the reason I say this is because they're both UFAs. Bustead's a known guy and they've, he's really rejuvenated his career in Minnesota. Um, he stayed healthy. He's been consistent. He's about, he has about 13 points, 28 games. He's a plus four big body guy. And with Nick Benino, it hasn't really worked out too well with him, but he's a proven winner. He's a guy that could get the face-offs done. He's someone that you could put on the special team. Someone that, you know, is a, what we've said before so many times is a locker room guy that they could bring in. And why I say this, because this is probably has to be a quick fix because the way they're playing, I never expected them to, play how they are with that top six you know when it i i and i jokingly said it was jonathan huberdo it was alexander barkoff and friends but they've been able to get the most out of like a wenberg a duclair and a carter verhage i was about to say i saw yes. those hero charts man they like he's looking good a lot of money he's making a lot of money thanks to alexander barkoff so great player i think a big thing for them now is kind of Keep it going and maybe add something, but don't go too far with that because I don't think they're in that position yet. You know what I like about Nick Benino? I feel like Quinville just looks at it and he's like, Vermette all over again. Let's do it. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Whatever happened to Vermette? I know he's old and probably retired, but like, where did he, where did he end up? He retired as a duck. As a Oh, yeah. Oh, my. The ducks. They are. They could be doing better. Chicago, who are surprising everyone this year, doesn't look like they're going to be big buyers. Doesn't. We just kind of came to a conclusion that they're going to try and get whatever they can for like a yen mark or whatever. But we, you know, there have been rumblings about Dylan Strome maybe being on the way out. So what I thought here is, I thought, okay, listen, 
maybe it's not worked as well as they hope with a former teammate in Alex Debrincat. But he can, you know, he's a good player and he had success of another former Erie Otter who need a top six player. Maybe this guy can even be your second line center in the future if, you know, Nuge walks away. With a million dollars retained, because this, this team has no money, and they're going to send to try and help out the salary, Alex Chasal. And if you need to sweeten it, you send Raphael Lavoie because you don't need any centermen because you got McDavid. You're going to have dry saddle and you're going to have this player if necessary, but hopefully he'll be on the wing. And that is he's going to Edmonton to play with Connor McDavid. You know, where were they? He was, was Stroll three or four that draft. He was third. Third. That's it. They're the former teammates who lit up and terrorized the OHL together. Dylan Strom will be an Edmonton Oiler. This is a fun fact. This has nothing to do with the Oilers. Good. But there was another dominant Erie Otter that was playing. Connor Brown? Yes, there it is. Of course it was. (laughs) Yeah, everyone remembers that. I wouldn't wouldn't hate that deal. No? I don't think so. I mean, maybe I'm going way too much on chemistry with – McDavid, because like mm-hmm. I do think it maybe things didn't work out with DeBrincat, but it will work out with McDavid one way or another. Mm-hmm. Like it's McDavid, like yes. it, it, he works with everybody. Yes, look at Zach Cassie. Do you think he gets paid without McDavid? I I saw that contract again the other day. How in the world did he get that? What are you, just what are you doing, Edmonton? Um, right. Looking at Columbus, we've just sort of put them their salaries, right? Like mm-hmm. that would be the smartest course of all, like thingy here. We we've talked about da- uh, David Savard and maybe like a Winnipeg, like a cheaper version of Ekholm, right? Yes. So looking at Nick Foligno, lads, we had a few teams in mind, but there's one that maybe could use some help on the wing because a certain captain is gone. Who would that happen to be, Alex? Uh, the New York Islanders who lost uh, Anders Lee for mm-hmm. the rest of the season, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate. Um, you lose a captain, you bring in another one, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Nick Foligno, obviously. And, and I have him here for just a second-round pick. Now, obviously, they prob- if there is a bidding war, they're probably going to have to add a prospect or something. To that, but let's just say uh, Nick Foligno to the Islanders for a se- second round pick next year. Mm-hmm. Looking at Dallas, they're also a weird team because they, they, injuries have absolutely riddled them all year. Um, and, you know, like Sagan and that, but then COVID as well. Just like, their games played, they were a complete mess, not to mention like, the disaster that's like, in Texas. Just, yeah. A lot's been going on with that team. And Daniel, Ben Bishop's hurt again, and it's just a mess. So, but the big piece we've looked at here is because in the past, like Alex has mentioned, like maybe there's a fit with, like a fit with Alexia going to Toronto. You know what? Yeah. We, you know, you know, I think he's a Toronto guy, isn't he? Jamie Lessig, so. yeah, he is, yeah. So we looked at Andrew from the beaches. Yeah, yeah, the beaches of Lake Ontario. Love to see it. Um, so... Looking, uh, looking at Andrew Cogliano, that was a guy we sort of looked at and trade him. Daniel thinks I'm selling low on a certain Bruins prospect. So I had Cogliano going because they have been trying to find a second line right winger for David Krejci forever, right? It feels um, like- I mean, like since Aginla. 
So, yeah, you remember that. I don't either. Um, anyway, it's just what a like, player that, like, yeah, he was a bruiser. I don't know if bruisers, you know, but you know what I mean? Like the style of Gimla played. But on a Bruin, that's like, no, you're too nice a person. You shouldn't be. Like Bergeron, it's like, you shouldn't be a Bruin. It's just weird. So I have I have Cogliano working with some sort of way with Boston. Maybe, like, the pick doesn't matter. I'm saying the fourth because, I mean, like, what else are you really going to get for him? And you may think, Adam, what about – you're going to throw someone else in there. I'm throwing Jack Stadnika because I think that guy – I don't see a future with him in the Bruins because I think Trent Frederick has come in and just stolen everyone else's job with the way he has played, the, just how well he fits the identity of that team. And, Daniel, I don't think I'm selling low on Jack Stadnika. I just don't think there is a place, and I think it's just best that they move on from him. I don't know how much value Jack Stadnika has around the league. I don't know, like if I'm I don't because like my original thing was he was going for a draft pick, but if now I'm thinking about if you're gonna bring another player to kind of make the things work, like I would, and I don't know if it's this because you talk about value of this player because they're around twenty two, twenty three. Like I trade a Zachary Sinitian before I trade a Jackson Nika. Yeah, but there's something special about those just those three consecutive first rounders, though. You have to keep them forever. <laughs> yeah, because you can't look like you lost. No, exactly. I, I see, I, I see both sides, but I, I think the thing I, I'm starting to lean more on Daniel's side, but just for the reason of, um, well, like their centers aren't getting any younger. Uh, Krejci's 34, Bergeron's 35, and I don't know what your plan with what their plan with Stanika is but you're going to have to fill these holes eventually. Like is Charlie Coyle a center or a winger? What, what's the, yeah, isn't, the isn't he here? supposed to be, wasn't the big contract for him because he's, he is the successor to David Krejci. I thought that was always, I, was, yeah, no. I, I mean, a lot. I guess. Yeah. He's all, but he's also played lots of wings. So I guess that's where I side with Daniel and saying, well, Hey, it's always nice to have this guy who can play, uh, down the middle because if it's just you're throwing in a guy to throw in a guy I don't know if you necessarily want to throw in a 22 year old who's um, who could have a future with this team well junior gold medalist I don't understand the thing is selling like you gotta give yeah you gotta give something yeah I yeah I think it's just also like I pick Sinitian not because of the position like like that's one factor but another thing too is like I find it'd be a PR move okay for Sweeney like yeah we're on a last name basis now um uh that like it's just a PR thing where it's like I'm gonna get a productive quality guy for this this you know this mishap I had at the draft now what happens if they throw him in the deal from Matias at home which one Stanika yeah guys say yeah for Stanika but I mean for like a a, different story yeah for a Cogliano like what did the Ducks get they got like Devin Shore for him but then they use Devin Shore to become Sonny Milano. Okay. I'm just saying, like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I hope they don't get him. I mean, the Iron Man streak is that when that was there, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. But then it, it left because he, he got suspended. Yeah. Yes. Should have been, by the way. Yeah. Shout out to Patrick Marlowe, by the way, who's almost at Gordy House games played record. We got to mention that. 15 more, right? Uh, yeah. I think it's 15 more. Um, I don't know if it's 15 to tie or 15 to pass, but it's. I- 
around there. Let's see if I can find the uh, tweet. I believe it was John Shannon who tweeted last night. It will be guess what team it will be against. The Leafs. No. Um, Pittsburgh. Detroit. Yeah. Okay. What am I thinking? Like this is a normal season. I'm an idiot. It's, Forgot it's, we're only playing each other. Jesus, Adam. We actually have a a insider for this team. Oh, wait, wait what? It's Minnesota Wild. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is so disappointing. No uh, April, offense. It'll but be April seventeenth. That's. Are we gonna you know watch? What? We should uh, we should live stream it and discuss it. You're about to surpass the record of a guy who, I think, Gordy Howe played in like four different decades. Mister Hockey, crazy, and it's gonna be against against I, Minnesota. I think that's when he ties it. I, I man, if I'm him, I'm just gonna wait. It's good that he does it with the, the Sharks too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That with oh. Toronto, I thought Alec would want that. Don't even make that joke. He's a okay. shark and he always Whoa. will be. Don't. Not a penguin. You say this time. He's not. Don't even. I always forget <laughs> he's a penguin. How many pictures do you think you can find online of him in a penguin's jersey? <laughs> I don't even remember if he played a game against Montreal in the bubble. I don't think he was a factor at all. It's like it's Patrick Marlowe at like in a pen. It's just wrong. It's like when I think they must have done a like congratulations tweet to him about something. It was like you have no right to say that. Like no right. It's like the Blues being like, yeah, Blues great. Wayne Gretzky. No, no, no. no. It's like and like if the Blackhawks said, hey, Bobby Orr, come on. No, 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 no. No. Rangers great Gila. No. No. Oh, no. by the way, um, just to confirm, he did play in the play-in round. He had zero points and it was a minus four Good. in four games. Great. That's great. Fantastic. That a lot. Always loved that they were eliminated on Crosby's birthday too. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the boy Carey Price. We won't look at Ekholm because we talked a bunch of trades about him. Um, uh, so, lads. Forsberg. Yes. I forget what we actually said for Forsberg exactly here. I think it was my trade. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. And this was. This is in case if they want to go a higher end of Nick Foligno, which is the team in uh, the New York Islanders. Yeah. Uh, it is a hefty deal. Um, mm-hmm. Now that I look at it, so it is a first this year. It is a conditional second next year, and the condition is if they make the Cup final either this year. Or next year, it becomes another first. Uh, and then Oliver Wallstrom and Andrew Ladd for money reasons. The only thing I would say is instead of making it the cup final, yeah. maybe make it if it's they win the cup. Because I think that true. was um, – I'm trying to think who – I think those have been conditions of that. But anyway, mm-hmm. like the Islanders, if they want to get that top score, they're going to have to pay. And you're not trading Dobson. Like, that's not what you're – especially with – we don't know what, like, a Ryan – like, their defense situation in two years is going to be a bit – how do we look there? So, I think it's very fair. Um, Daniel, you had Eric Howla. Yeah. Um, Howla Fama. Yes. I remember I, I had him on a few teams, but I had him, what, going to Toronto, right? You had – you were selling low on him. Is yeah, all I was kind of selling low on Howla because, like – what did I say? And this is funny. The, the shine of being a Golden Knight is no longer there for me. Not like that he, he can't rediscover it, but I think that 
when he was being moved here and there, you know, he got traded for Nikolai Watt to Carolina, and then Carolina like includes him in like a massive package for Vincent Trocheck that I think he could be someone that is going to really help you with your top nine. But I just wouldn't think that you trade like, you know, a even a B-level prospect for him. Like I think a contender will trade a second for him. I'm just, I'm just thinking, Billy, the place center. It's got well, you, confidence. NHL teams love that kind of stuff. But like again, like I don't know because like if I'm gonna, and I, you know, this is a stretch too. Like I, I think of Barclay Goudreau, but the thing is, I think that there was a higher value there because he had term. Yeah. Yeah. But also, but, but I think Howla is much more offensive upside than than Barclay Goudreau. I think the thing we had to look at with the. Nicholas Watt trade was was that not because they needed cap or was that or because they had too many players? I think they had too many players, but it ended up working well for them because like Wah became uh he's like he just he basically took on the spot that Hollow like left. Right. They're such a weird team, Carolina. So many defensemen. Dougie Hamilton, what happens there? Weird to see. Um and I have Brad Richardson who is they see he just he's one of those guys that just plays the game the right way, like one of those depth centermen. He goes to Montreal, there'd be about 300k retained here, and for a third, and the guy we all remember is a hab, Mikhail Frolik, who has not played a single game, and I forgot he existed until yesterday. And I thought we mentioned him in some some way, shape, or form today. We were excited. Remember when um uh, we had the picture of him holding his baby. No, no. But when he no. signed with the Habs, remember that? And then um, I thought you guys were going to comment on him. There's a picture of him holding his baby, but all Alex, I uh, know Adam just said, look at that flow on his hair. Oh my I don't remember that. Look at hair. Great hair. <laughs> I love it. Okay, Detroit. Listen. I think they were yours. Well, no, I asked you guys and you didn't come up with one. I had Bobby Ryan yeah, going to St. Louis. That's what the one I had. And then everyone else I mentioned, get whatever you can for picks. And I think Gagne to Pittsburgh for like a fourth. Because they need a, third, a fourth line center. Okay, listen. I, I had Bobby Ryan going to St. Louis because I think that there has been a spot there for them to try and get a depth score because Oscar Sundquist is gone for the rest of the season. That guy's had some horrid luck, by the way. You remember he was... He was the victim of the Tom Wilson hit that had Wilson gone for a long time. Um, and listen, we, we, we don't know what's exactly happening with Anthony Manta. And I guess to end the show, we can, we can have this discussion. Um, listen, and we'll just say it like this then. Okay, how about this? If you need a depth defenseman, go call them for Mark Stahl. And we want him in Carolina so we can reunite all the brothers. Call up Jared and let him be a coach or something. I don't know. I wonder, because it seems to be this, this, this kind of not secret that the Panthers wouldn't – I don't think they're, they're like actively calling me like, yo, what do you want for – you know, Chris Rieger's up. What's up, lads? But they have Spencer Knight. That's the big one. Not Devin Levi, but he's there too. But Spencer Knight is the big one, okay? So I wonder, because I know we had a discussion about this Detroit prospect, but – Goalies are voodoo, and until you mentioned him, Daniel, I had never heard of the guy. So I do wonder if there is some sort of scenario if 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 Florida wanted to oomph up their offense. And it just feels like Manta would be a, a player Quinville would like. You know what I mean? Yes, mm-hmm. I agree. 
Like he can kind of be the Andrew Ladd, throw my body around, and he's a scoring touch, right? If there is some sort of deal that can go around Mantha for Chris Drieger. The only way I think you're trading Chris Drieger is if you know either you think you are not extending him because you can't afford it or because you know Spencer Knight is coming next year and you trust him that much. Fair. Unless you have another option, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's just kind of like... I think like the one thing that... Because I think it does make sense, but I think for me, it just... What are you going to commit to Chris Drieger after this season that do you really see him as a legitimate number one? And when you think about like, you know, the other assets coming in a deal, coming in the deal for this, for an Anthony Mantha that like, how high are you selling on a Chris Drieger? Like, are you going to get like another second back, another prospect back? Or like, is it going to be like more or less like a one for one with some compensation here? If Detroit needs to sweeten the pot, I have their thingy up here. They got three second rounders, and this is before they make any deals before the deadline, which they will. And, you know, are they going to be in a particular rush? And at the same time, if, if, if Detroit can identify Manta as the type of player that would fit in, sorry, if, if Florida did, or and, and slash, if, if Eiserman looked at Drieger, like, and now don't forget, when, when he moved from Tampa Bay, they brought some of his scouting staff with him. They didn't bring, I don't remember his name, but they didn't bring, like, their big head of scouting guy. But it's still Eiserman and still some of his staff. And I don't know if there is a better evaluator of talent right now. Honestly, like, it was just, it's just, you know, a bit of, a bit of fun here, a bit of, you know, a discussing point because, you know, they've, I don't know, like, I like Anthony Manta. It just doesn't feel like, um, it doesn't feel like Detroit's really into him. It doesn't feel like Jeff Blashill is in love with him. I don't understand why. I, I thought he was going to be like a, a pillar there. I, don't get I thought he was going to be someone that was going to, you know, play well and be part of like the solution that the Red Wings are trying to get to. Yeah, I thought I thought the same as well. Like when they signed that when they signed that contract extension, I'm like, okay, and, and I thought it was pretty decent for for Anthony Manta at least like he had been I, I think last year he got injured and after that it, it I, clearly I guess I don't know it doesn't seem like it's gone great for him and that's unfortunate but I really thought he could have been he's obviously he's not the guy you build around but he is one of the pieces that surround your core mm-hmm. he was on pace to score 30 if he was completely healthy last year right like and that's on Detroit. And right. Like, that's why it's so odd to me that they're like, I, cause I, I remember hearing about Anthony Manta possibly being traded and I just never understood. And I still don't understand why, why that is what changed between last year and this year. Because the coach doesn't like him. It's weird. One more guy I want to ask you guys about, because I think this guy's getting a bit of an unfair shake. Um, People are comparing Connor Garland to um, Ryan Dezingle as the guy who has to score. And I just do not agree with that at all. Because it's not like Connor Garland is like... I, like, there has always been word around him, I remember. Like, he's one of those, like, gems that Jeff Merrick's talked about before. Mm-hmm. 
like he's he's one of those guys who's got 25 points and 30 goals. It's not like he's just last year he had 20 goals. This year again, in a regular season, he could probably hit 20 again, but it's not like he's got this wicked stupid shooting percentage. He just feels like one of those really, really like solid like he almost like reminds me of a Connor Brown, you know? I don't know if that's fair. It's just I, I don't get mm-hmm. why if you're Arizona, why the word is getting out about Connor Garland. Maybe you yeah. just want to be there. I don't know. Well, who you, would you, right now? No, I, I, that that is uh, true. I, I think it has more to do with I, – I, you're right. Like, it doesn't make sense. Why would Arizona want that out there? He is probably one of the bright spots on the team. Now, I get he's 25, I believe, around there. Um, yeah, he's 25. He, and he's probably probably gonna get paid in the summer, but like man, like you're only trading Connor Garland if you can restock the cupboard here. Yeah, partially. Like I get Connor Garland's not gonna get you everything, but you have no first round pick this year. I don't know what you have much you have down in the AHL and and overseas, etc. Mm-hmm. But that's the only way I'm saying it. I'll I'll think about touching Connor Garland. Or moving mm-hmm. Connor Garland, sorry. Okay, well, um, I believe that is everything for today. Yes. Um, okay, right now we decide next week, do we want to uh, – so looking at our trade deadline stuff next year, do you guys want to do the West or the East? I think we just – think last episode we said we were going to end on the East. Okay, perfect. So, so we'll do the West. Next the week, West. we'll look at Vegas, Minnesota, Colorado, St. Louis, L.A., Arizona, San Jose, Anaheim. A lot of sellers. Yeah. <laughs> and, yes. um, and what are Minnesota? We'll see. Conservative sellers, maybe we can say. What position do they do? Find out next time on the 2-in-1 podcast. Thank you to Voicehead, as always, for being a fantastic platform for the show. Again, thank you to Richard for coming on. Great, great time. Great guy. Next episode. Great, fantastic guy. Yeah, Lots yeah. of positive energy. Um, thank, we all, next episode, we're going to have good old Will on. Great guy. Great guy. Love that guy. Great guy. And what Larky did with the special sports issue, special edition. It's been a long day. We've been on the Zoom call for about three hours. Something like that. Two hours. I don't know. Um be sure if you enjoyed the show to check out the YouTube portion for the video stuff and all that kind of zazz. Check out the show wherever you listen to podcasts, like the podcast app for iOS or Spotify. That's a good site. Not really. I'm not a massive Spotify fan. You can check out Alex's blog, my YouTube channel, as well as my piece for the eye special issue. Daniel suffered the eye opener in the hockey writers. And I think that's everything. We will see you. At the turn of the century. I don't know why I said that. Goodbye. Wednesday. Wednesday, sure. Blue moon.